Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, though, is, well, you've heard the, the saying in baseball, going, going, gone. Well, I call this growing, going, or gone. All right, this is what, Mark chapter 11, 12 to 25. We're going to talk about uh, fruit trees today. Jesus is going to be talking about that. And as you know, I grew up on a farm. Most of you know that. And one of my favorite parts of growing up on the farm was eating fruit right off the trees. I love doing that. Even now, it's really hard for me to eat fruit from the store. You know, Kim will buy the fruit, and I'll take a bite. And I'm like, who wants to finish this? You know, I, I have trouble doing that because it's just not the same. And, and I would climb up into the cherry trees during cherry time and, and eat till I was sick. In fact, the cherries got ripe on my birthday, June 20th. And I remember there was a big old cherry tree right outside of our house, and it's still there. There's not many cherries left. It's almost dead. But I'd climb up into that cherry tree on my birthday and just eat till I was sick. All right? That's what I love to do. And... Uh, peaches we didn't have a peach orchard but we did have peach trees and and we would just gorge on the peaches and and in the fall apples everywhere we had apple orchards all our neighbors had apple orchards we would live in one of those areas that's like you know and you see in the movies you know yeah at the springtime and all the blossoms are falling it was like snowing we'd just go through the orchards and it would just be snowing blossoms but in the fall was great because apples everywhere every apple you could imagine we'd walk to our friend's house the, the farm over to play baseball or something and I'd pick golden delicious on the way off back and I'd pick red delicious on the way back and we just ate apples all the time we had sour cherries also now sour cherries weren't as much fun to eat but we did eat them because if they're ripe we ate them but that's what they used to make uh, cherry pies and things like that they used the sour cherry for for that Um, and sour cherries are sour but we still like to eat them but they're much easier to pick if you want sweet cherries, to harvest the sweet cherries, you have to hire a crew, and everybody comes in, they pick the sweet cherries by hand. But the sour cherries come off a lot different, so it, it's a lot, a whole different way of picking them. We would, um, we, would we had these big uh, cherry catchers is what we had. Think of a big trampoline that's cut in half in two pieces, and we, our crew, we would all get a hold of these these. These uh, and they would be on these long poles, so they were slanted. And then there was these wooden vats in the middle that went in the middle. And you go and you put these wooden vats lined up with the tree. You put these trampoline cherry catchers on both sides. And then my dad would back up the tractor. And, and on the back of the tractor, there was this big claw hand that had rubberized hand on the end, so it wouldn't hurt the tree. And he'd back the tractor up, and he. The, grab a hold of that tree with this giant claw and shake it. It's like like that. And all the cherries were falling down, falling down, falling, rolling to these vats. Then we'd carry them over and dump them into the you probably most of you never didn't know that, did you? And we'd shake shake in the cherry trees and and, uh, we'd carry it and pour it into these these vats, these these big tubs, you know, a couple ton tubs of water with big chunks of ice. we throw these big chunks of ice in. And we also used that as our swimming pool before we'd pick the cherries. We didn't have an indoor pool. So all the kids, we'd fill that up with water and my dad, we'd all be jumping in there and we'd all be swimming. Some of my best swimming memories were in the cherry vats, right? So, uh, over the years though, my dad got rid of the fruit trees because he couldn't depend on them to make money. Sometimes the weather was bad, you know, the hell, they just got well, you know, the, the hell that hit the apples, they're, 
it made a mess of the, all the apples out in my area. The, the weather would be a problem or a drought would be a problem or the market. The market was very unsteady. We never knew. And sometimes we make a lot of money on the fruit. But most years we saw a trend that we would either break even or even lose money. After all that work, you'd lose money. And so my dad decided to just expand to the dairy. You know, you just took more cows on and he started getting rid of the the orchards and the vineyards he got rid of everything so that he could raise feed food for the the dairy cows and I just remember one by one just watching those well first we're going to get rid of the apples and and going out and putting chain around and pulling those those trees out by the roots and and putting them in big piles and burning them the burning part was fun but I miss all those big orchards gone one by one then it was the sweet cherries then it was the sour cherries and now there's just a few trees here and there he took them down put them into these big piles and we just kept burning them and it took years to burn just kept burning them we're going to see Jesus do the same thing today spiritually and he's going to teach us a critical spiritual lesson in the process let's pray before we read this father we thank you for bringing each person here And we know we're here for a reason, that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through your word. We pray that we would just open our hearts now and our minds to your spirit and your word. And Lord, we pray that because of this passage of scripture here, our lives would be different. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the kind of the the block of passage, then we're going to just get part of it here. But it's Mark 11, 12 to 25. Uh, verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fruit tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise to the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. But when evening came, they went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We have a Mark sandwich here. We talked about Mark, how you make these sandwiches. We call them the Mark witches, right? And what Mark would do is he would put the stories together in such a way he'd, put, he'd start a story, interject something, and then, and then finish the story to make his point. And the beginning of this sandwich is verses 12 to 14, where he curses the tree because it has no fruit. 
Then the inside of the sandwich is he goes to the temple area, verses 15 to 19, which we did last week. Make sure you get a CD or listen to the podcast, YouTube. But he clears the temple. That's the inside of the sandwich. And then he comes back to the tree in verses 20 to 21, which is the, 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 top, of the, the, the top piece of bread to the sandwich. And he teaches a lesson on fruitfulness because of the way he, he sandwiched the story. And then the prayer, we're going to look at that. He teaches a story of... Uh, a lesson on prayer, which we'll look at verses 22 to 25. We'll do that next week. Now, the Holy Spirit led Mark to create this sandwich for a very important reason. It was for Israel, because he's dealing with Israel here, but it's also for us. For us. Let's look at verses 12 to 14, the beginning of the sandwich, the bottom bread. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, there's no fruit, so Jesus curses and kills this tree. Good thing there was no EPA yet. All right, no environmental protection agency yet, or Jesus would have been in trouble. But it wasn't time for figs. He says this, it wasn't time for figs. But the, re the reason he's still looking for figs is because the fig tree would produce figs two or th even three times a year. So Jesus was hoping to find some late figs still left over from the last harvest. It wasn't time, but there's still some left over. Or some early small figs that were starting to grow, which were considered a delicacy in Israel. Yesterday I was out looking at the lawn and enjoying the fall and dealing with some things out in the yard. And I saw one of our uh, pear trees. We have these flowering pears that don't really produce. They're not supposed to produce pears. But I saw these little, tiny little nubs out there. I'm like, what is that? And I said, that's a little pear. And I picked one off and I started eating. I'm like, it was sweet. It was actually pretty good. It's a little weird, but it's pretty good. And not like the farm. But, uh, but so I called the kids and said, guys, come over here, taste this. And they all started tasting it. It was kind of weird because the skin, when you ate the skin, it kind of made your lips numb. I don't know if that's poison or not, but we enjoyed it anyway. I don't know. I was like, I don't know if this is okay to eat, but ah, all right. We're all eating it together. We'll go to heaven together. But anyway, so we're all eating these. I didn't, Kim didn't eat any. She would have been left alone. But anyway, that's another story. So but we're eating this, like, it was really good. And it was like a surprise. And we were like, wow. And, and that's kind of what Jesus was looking for, these little, you know, figs. And, but he didn't find anything. And we were excited to find these little, you know, pears. But Jesus didn't find anything, so he curses us, right? Uh, so there's no, there's no fruit, so he curses. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then where does he go right after that? Verses 15 and 19. He goes to the temple. Right into the temple, there's a purpose. The Holy Spirit's laying this all out for us, right? He's looking for spiritual fruit. But just like he didn't find any figs, he doesn't find any spiritual fruit. Look what he finds instead, verses 15 to 19. Far from fruit, he finds, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. These are the clergy, right? For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. 
When evening came, they went out of the city. So he comes looking for fruit, and he finds a lot of garbage instead. We went into detail on this last week. This was last week. If you weren't here, get the CD, listen to the podcast, go on the YouTube site. Listen, because it's just a, a powerful passage for us today. And now we come to the bread on top. So we saw the first piece of bread. We saw the sandwich, the insides, the guts last week. And now we come to the bread on top, verses 20 to 21. In the morning... As they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Has withered. The tree is dead. It's withered from the roots up. No one will ever eat fruit from this tree again. This story isn't really about a fig tree, is it? It's about the nation of Israel and the religious leaders that were leading it. The nation of Israel is often compared to a fig tree in the Old Testament. In fact, in Hosea 9, 10, I'll just read you one. When I found Israel, this is God talking, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your fathers, it was like seeing the early fruit on the fig tree. Many, many times Israel's compared to this fig tree. And John the Baptist had warned Israel. He had warned them of the religious leaders three years early about finding fruit or else there's going to be a problem. In fact, in Matthew 3, verse 7 to 10, listen to what John the Baptist says. But when, this is John the Baptist, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. That's why he never quite grew a very big church, that John the Baptist, right? Not very good. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He had warned them three years earlier to repent. He says the axe is at the root of the tree. You have a choice. Fruit or judgment. He warns the religious leaders of Israel. Fruit or judgment. But they rejected John's call to repentance, didn't they? And they rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. There is no fruit. So now we see Jesus is showing us they are under judgment. Just like that fig tree died, Israel, the, land, the, the nation of Israel, the religious Leaders are, are going to be destroyed. They're under God's judgment. And that's what exactly what happened. The temple and the nation was destroyed in 70 A.D. because of that rejection and not listening to Jesus. It was almost 2,000 years ago, but God is beginning a new work in the hearts of the people of Israel, isn't he? We're seeing it. They're back in the land. Israel is back in the land again after 2,000 years. And, and the, the, it's become the focus of the entire world. You can't turn on the news without seeing Israel first and foremost in the news. And many are putting their faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. There's a huge movement worldwide of people realizing that Jesus, Jewish people realizing that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And the time is coming when all Israel, we've seen this many times in the book of Revelation, that all Israel, the remaining remnant that is left when he comes back, is going to embrace the Messiah. So, Jesus uses this fig tree to warn the nation of Israel about the consequences of a lack of fruit. That's his warning to them. They didn't listen. This warning is for us too. It's for the church in the USA today, right now. A little scary, isn't it? 
This is the same warning for us. In fact, in John chapter 15, Jesus gives a very similar warning to his Jewish disciples and to us too. He gives a very similar warning a little bit earlier than this that's really aimed at the church, both Jewish and Gentiles in the church. It's for us today, right here. In verse, let's look at John 15. And in John 15, 1 through 8, I'm going to read the passage first of all. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Israel did not listen to God's word. Will the church in the USA today respond to God's word? Will we listen? Will we listen? Jesus says, starts off verses 1 and 2. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He says, I am the true vine. This is the seventh of the great I am. We're singing the song about the great I am. This is the seventh of the great I am claims of Jesus in the book of John, which shows that he is... God, he's divinity, he's you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's part of the, the Trinity. And he says, I am the true vine. Now, if Jesus is the true vine, what does that make all the other vines? False vines, right? They're false vines. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to God the Father except through his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the only way, and every other way is a false way. It's a lie. Every other way. Jesus said it. And then he says, my father is a gardener, and there's two key things that his father does. First thing the, the gardener does is he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, he says. See that? He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Is this a Christian? Are, are we talking about Christians here? Does that mean we can lose our salvation? There's a lot of discussion. You go to seminary, there's a lot of discussion on this, a lot of arguments. Well, I would say this. I wouldn't chance it. <laughs> I wouldn't plan on going to heaven while living like hell here, right? Don't plan on heaven while you're living like hell. Verse 6, look what he says in verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. So, can we lose our salvation? Probably not. If we're truly saved, I don't believe we can. But there's some discussion on that. I, I, like I said, I wouldn't you know, try to get away with anything. Uh, but there is very severe discipline. If you look at 1 Corinthians 5, and you look at the discipline that Paul talks about, of a believer who turns their back on Christ and, and lives 
against what God is trying to teach. The severe discipline turned over to Satan so that the flesh could be judged. Serious, serious. Like I said, I wouldn't mess around. Or is this person not a Christian? That's the question. Can we lose our salvation? Or is this severe discipline? Or is this person not a Christian? That's a whole other sermon. That's about three different sermons. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. But I do believe we can be severely disciplined. I think this person is probably not a Christian. Why? Because it says here, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. To really be a Christian, it's not just raising your hand and putting your faith in Christ. And, and I mean, that's, that's the starting point, putting your faith in Christ. But if, it, if you truly put your faith in Christ, if you truly say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin, I repent of my sinful life, and I put my faith in Jesus, and, and I'm going to follow him, I give my life to him. If you pray that prayer and the Holy Spirit comes in, there's going to be a change. There's going to be fruit. And if there's no fruit, then the prayer wasn't real. It wasn't from the heart. It was just a false profession. Lots of that. All right? And, and so there has to be change. With no fruit, probably not a Christian. When I was, I've told this story before. When I was a little kid, and I remember taking a pair of scissors. I, I don't care. I was three, four, five. I can't remember. I just remember taking a pair of scissors and wanted to see what happened. I put it in the electrical socket. I found out. My mom came in and found me. And she didn't have to say, where did you stick those, Chucky, did you stick those scissors into the electrical socket? She didn't have to ask that. Why? She saw the effect of electricity going through my body, you know? I had burned, I mean, you know, that was a mess, you know? I was, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it, it hurt. And she knew electricity had gone through my body. And when someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, there's going to be an effect, there's going to be a change. There's going to be fruit in our life. And if there's no fruit, no Jesus. No change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. Simple. There's going to be a change. So this is probably not, a real, not really a Christian. But, hey, let's not mess around, right? Second thing that the Father does, verse 2, he says, he prunes. He prunes. Prunes us. Like, I'm going to read it again. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So why? So it'll be even more fruitful. And I know a lot of you are not gardeners or farmers, and you don't know what the heck pruning is. Pruning is, we'll use just grapevines here, because he's using the vine here. When you prune a grapevine, you, a grapevine uh, is, a, is one vine with many different buds on it. Which Rick, Rick was here, right? Many different buds on it. And you have to figure out, because we had grapes, you had to figure out how many buds to cut out. If you don't, you'll have too many leaves on that vine. And, and sunlight, it blocks the sunlight, which is vital to the grapes to really grow and, and be fruitful, right? So you have to cut out good buds. You have to cut out good stuff to get the best fruit. Does that sound like our life? Many times God has to do the same thing. We're, we're too busy with even good stuff, right? Good stuff. Even good things. And God has to prune us so that we can really focus on the best, what he wants. And he's great at pruning. He knows, he knows exactly what to do. He doesn't make mistakes. Uh, 
sometimes we make mistakes. I know I, uh, Nancy, I was helping her burn a lot of wood at her house, and remember some of my burning stories, and we, we, I was going over and burning all kinds of wood, big piles, where's Nancy, where's Nancy, there, there you are, Nancy, remember I was burning big piles, we had so much fun burning, we were having so much fun, until the fire marshal came, but that's a whole other story, but anyway, we don't do that anymore, but anyway, we had our, we had our fun, right, and, but there was this really big vine wrapped around this tree, and I'm like, this is going to kill this tree for sure, I got to kill get this vine off the tree, but I didn't have anything big on My clippers didn't do the trick. It was really fat. And so I told, I was telling Bob about it at lunch. I said, Bob, you've got to help me kill this vine because it's going to kill this tree. He says, I got just the thing. And he, and he had this wicked tool. We call it the zombie killer. And it had this big you know, hook on the end. And, and, and so he has this big tool and he brings it over. And, and, and I was carrying wood and he starts going after this vine. He's going at it. And I look back and I see Nancy come running out of the house. You know, she's doing this and this. And Bob's like, you know, <laughs> he's got this tool. And turns out I... I didn't know. I, I sicked them on a special vine, a wisteria vine, you know? It's a, a beautiful wisteria that's you know, beautiful flowers and it's so rare. And I don't know anything about wisteria. I saw a big fat vine. I wanted to kill it, you know? A zombie tool, right? So, so but, but we, thankfully, it, it still survived, didn't it? We only killed one of the vines and all the other ones were able to keep the wisteria alive. And I said, Bob, I'm sorry, it's all my fault. We, you know, I made a mess of this. But I made a mistake, so we're going to kill this wisteria. She didn't care about the tree, she wants to save the wisteria. Right? So, um, God doesn't make mistakes. He knows exactly what to cut out in our life. He knows exactly what to prune. He knows, he knows just what to do. He doesn't, he doesn't make mistakes. And Jesus gives us the secret. After we've been pruned, he gives us the secret now to producing fruit. Producing fruit. Every gardener has a secret. Every good gardener has a secret. Good farmer has a secret. On the farm, we used to grow these huge pumpkins. In fact, I have a picture in my office of the old chestnut tree, horse chestnut tree with all these giant pumpkins around. We used to grow these giant pumpkins. And, and, my, and also corn. My, my dad had the best corn. We had these huge ears of corn and stalks of corn that were like so high and and whenever there was time for fair we'd cut them off and take them to the contest we always won the blue ribbon because my dad's corn was so big and the corn was so big and and we he had a secret you know what their secret was lots of manure lots of manure right that was our secret yeah but but everybody has a secret and jesus gives a secret to producing fruit does anybody know what it is I'll give you a hint. He says it 15 times in those 10 verses. First 10 verses of John 15. 15 times he says this. He gives a secret. John 15, 5. If I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain. Some of you have versions that says dwells. Uh, dwell. Some says abide. That's, the, I, that's the, the word. Remain, abide, dwell. It means to dwell or make your home in. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and makes his dwelling in us. He, he uh, dwells in us. That's what happens. When you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I repent of that sin. I put my faith in Jesus to forgive me and to give me a new life, and I, I'm going to give him my life now. The moment you pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit, you are forgiven for all your sins. You don't have to worry about judgment anymore. God has now become your Father, and, and, and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. 
And then as Christians, we have to keep on, now that the Holy Spirit's dwelling in us, we have to remember to remain, to abide in Christ. He's talking about complete dependence. When you abide in, when, you, when you're connected to God, you're completely dependent on him, on his mercy and grace. Every day, are we living in complete dependence? Is it resulting in real fruit in our life? What can we do apart from Christ? What does it say, verse 5? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, we can, we can do a lot of things. We can do a lot. We can do all kinds of things, right? We can even do ministry on our own. But what are we really doing? Nothing. We, it won't be real fruit. Whatever we do apart from Christ is not real fruit. It's not lasting fruit. It will only end up frustrating. Anybody experience that? <laughs> Which is frustrating because we're doing it on our, in, our, in the flesh on our own. The only way that anything is going to last is complete depending on Christ. That's the key. Ministry fruit. Are we seeing God working in and through us to touch other people and and their lives? Are we seeing that? Personal fruit. Are we seeing the fruit of the Spirit in our life? This is part of this, a very important part of this. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Listen to this list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are we doing on that list? Ask somebody in your family. (laughs) That's the best proof, right? Ask, Ask your family members. Are we seeing this? Now, we're not all perfect. No, I should say, none of us are perfect, right? But, and we never will be this side, but, but are we seeing that fruit progressively increasing in our life? Which one of those fruits are missing in our life? Or which one have people not been able to reach and take hold of in our life? What does God need to prune in our life? Will we allow him to? Will we surrender or fight against him? Will we surrender and allow him to produce this fruit? Or will we fight against him? Because we can't make this fruit happen. We just have to dwell. We have to dwell in Christ. Stay connected in Christ. And and the Holy Spirit bubbles it up, right? What do we need to allow God prune in our life? What person, what place, what thing is keeping us from reaching our full potential or our purpose in Christ? What are we hanging on to that God is leading us to let go of? It's something good, but it's keeping us from becoming our best in Christ. What are we hanging on to? What is he calling us to do? Who is he calling us to reach? He's trying to produce his fruit in us. Who needs Jesus? Someone in our life that needs Jesus. Someone that we're connected to in some way needs Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need Jesus. Maybe the starting point is you need Jesus. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever had that time when you put your faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt inside of you? Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? 
I want to end with John 3.16. I shouldn't have, you don't have to put it up behind me, should I? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you connected to God through his son Jesus? Are you connected to the vine? There's only one way. It's through faith in Jesus. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose again from the dead so that we could live a brand new life in Christ. A life here that starts the moment we give our life to Christ and it goes all the way through eternity in heaven someday. But it starts right now. Life doesn't start in heaven someday. It starts now. A different life, a changed life, an empowered life, a Holy Spirit-filled life starts now. The moment we put our faith, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You can do that right now. If the Holy Spirit is leading and speaking to your heart right now, you can do it right now, right where you're sitting. Just pray, God, I repent of my sin. I don't want my old life anymore, the the sinful life, the self-life, the fleshly life. I repent of that. I walk away, I turn away from that life. I'm asking you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me and came back from the dead for me. I'm putting my faith in him. I know he took my sin, my punishment, my shame, my empty life. He took it on the cross. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer, then God's word says the Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus has sent his own spirit to live inside of you and you will never be the same. You can now talk to God anytime as your father. You now have the the power to say no to sin. You have the power to change, not by your own effort, but by depending on Christ and asking him for mercy and grace. You have a power that you can't even imagine in you now. You're in for a shock, a spiritual shock, a good shock. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've prayed that prayer and given your life to Christ. Maybe you have a friend here or a family member or or tell me on the way out or fill out the card or text me email. Let somebody know so we can encourage you in your new life in Christ and be excited for you. For those of us who've already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is God convicting us this morning? 
Maybe it's about the fruit that we aren't fully producing or maybe there's been fruit, but we've just kind of gotten stagnant and, and there's areas of our life that, that need pruning so that God can increase our fruitfulness, both in ministry and in our, our personal life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. When people interact with us, do they sense the fruit of the Spirit? Or have we lost our focus because we haven't been remaining in Christ? We haven't spent enough time with Christ. What has God been trying to prune out of us? And we've been fighting him. And this morning, say, God, I open my hands. Take this good thing so that you can do a great thing in and through me. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to convict us and to move in our hearts. And we ask that your Father, Father, we ask that you would prune us so that we wouldn't need to be cut in some way, cut out in some way. That we accept the loving pruning cuts that you give. I pray that this week we would begin to see new fruit in your spirit's power in our life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.